It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippy is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Final score 62 to 48, Colin. 60, 63, 48. 63, 48, excuse me. I am Brian Scott Rippey. The other voice on the that you heard on the other end of the phone is Colin Brister. Ole Miss loses 63 to 48 to Alabama. If there's ever a loss that felt like a is it is it wrong to say this felt like a 
I mean, I don't want to say moral victory because that's like the most cliched thing of all time, but this thing felt okay for a long time. Yeah, sure, sure. Like to start. Sure, I mean, you, you, you cover the line, right? You cover it by, what, nine points or so, and you had... Yeah, I'm sure that's what everyone was thinking, but yeah, nice. No, but I mean, like, you, you had the ball in the fourth quarter multiple times down by a touchdown. Um, look, I, I did not think this game would be this close. I did not think I would be paying attention with the fourth quarter in the fourth quarter thinking, Ole Miss Mike can win this. Um, and obviously some things had to go their way and they didn't. Um, but yeah, I, I don't look outside of winning the football game. I don't really know what else you could have expected from Ole Miss outside of maybe a, just a glimmer of a hope on defense, which did not happen. Um, but th- this offense is elite, man. It's one of the best offenses in the country and it gave Alabama all sorts of fits on the ground and through the air. I mean, it's 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 impressive to watch them play. It's a great way to encapsulate that because I was trying to figure out, like, hey, what are we going to talk about and in what order are we going to talk about these things? Um, one, we have a couple of macro issues to discuss. Apparently, on last week's podcast, like, I got a lot of complaints. As I say complaints. I got a lot of uh, questions about, um, well, shall we say my state of mind? And I just... I am taken aback by such such any sort of indication about that. So, one, I guess I would like to say, I'll address this in three parts. One, you know it made the podcast better. Two, I admit no guilt. And three, even if I did, I would I would abs- actually like to take this time to apologize to absolutely nobody. Nobody. Anyway, <laughs> hey, Brian, I was so Brian. shocked by that. I guess. I guess, but also I went back and listened and I was like, damn it. Maybe I did blow my cover a little Look, bit. I, I want to congratulate you on something. Okay. You you scored as many points uh, on offense as Mississippi State did tonight in Lexington. Okay, so we can get to that in a minute. I went to the same watering hole I was at last week. Apparently they did not feed me the same type of things they fed me last week because apparently my tone of voice last week just caused a riot. Just an absolute uproar. And, yeah, I mean, I thought this was America. Thought it was America. <laughs> thought it was America. It is, last time I checked. Yeah, anyway, I uh, I apologize to absolutely no one, but no, we're uh, that experiment is done this week, dis- despite the fact that I admit no guilt. But anyway, we're rambling around. Would you like to dump on state for a second before we get into? No, this? no, we can do that. We, we can do that later. I just. Oh, no, wait, we wait. don't have to do that later. I have not. Uh, I actually did not watch a second of Mississippi <laughs> State tonight, so I was at a place that was pretty much a one TV scenario. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what was funny was actually you mentioned that. So what was funny was there was a couple of I say a couple. There was about a table of Kentucky grads, about <laughs> I would say halfway across the room from where I was in terms of like the restaurant and right. every time they cheered, I knew something good had happened in that <laughs> sense. So I would go walk over there and be like, Hey, Hey brothers, like what, what, what has happened over here? Yeah. I mean, it was like a nice little relationship we had going on, even though I knew none of their names or what had happened, but you, you sound like you have a little bit of a, uh, better TV setup. Just real quick before we get into Ole Miss, what happened there? 22? Um, uh, How does that happen? Well, they get a get a safety on a punt, I believe. I, You know, obviously my focus was was on Ole Miss, but every time I looked up, KJ Costello was, uh, he was throwing it to, to Kentucky, and State eventually went to uh, the uh, freshman, Will Rogers, and he wasn't any good either. So, um, they're in trouble. 
they're in big trouble. Like, they're not winning another SEC West game, I don't think. I don't know who they play in the East. They better play Vanderbilt and Missouri. I think they do. Um, of course, Missouri beats LSU today. Um, because they're not beating Auburn. They're not beating um, Arkansas in my mind. Right? Oh, they, don't, they lost Arkansas last week. They're not beating Auburn. They're sure as hell not beating Alabama. I don't think they're beating Ole Miss or Texas A&M either. So, Godspeed, because that's got a chance to get real ugly up there. Yeah, I mean, you can't you you can't do the whole air raid thing and then lose twenty four to two, where your defense is the only <laughs> score. And I say that as someone that did not watch a snap of that game. They anyway, threw seventy passes and scored two points. KJ Costello threw it seventy times. Well, combined between him and Rogers. Uh, that's right. That you. So the other kid, wait, what does that mean? By the way, I'm just curious. Well, they uh, they benched they benched Costello, and then Rogers wasn't any good, and they went back to Costello, and he still wasn't any good. Okay. Well, anyway, that's just a sign that things are getting weird. Ole Miss loses sixty three to forty eight to Alabama. Where would you like to start with this? Because I know we started the last couple of podcasts by just kind of flexing on the fact that we <laughs> can we do that again. <laughs> Like just flexing on the fact that we 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 were right on Matt Corral, and I feel like that's a tired concept at this point. Uh, yeah. So we can start this wherever you want, but I would like to say Matt Corral was awesome once again. And there were a couple of plays in the first half in particular. You know, Ole Miss kind of kept pace with Alabama. What what was the score this first half? It was twenty one twenty one, right? Twenty one up and, at half. Yeah. Yeah, and so Ole Miss kept pace with Alabama pretty much every step of the way, and I would say. On what Ole Miss scored three times in the first half, I would say at least four times. I would say four instances and on at least two of the drives because there was one drive where there wasn't a play where I was like, okay, this is out of this world. There were four instances on two of those three touchdown drives in the first half where Matt Corral kind of single-handedly kept the drive going. Would you disagree yeah. with that? No, no, I'm fine with that. Um, and, and God, it's really unfortunate. I hate for piling on the kid because he did a really good job uh, blocking tonight. But, man, you look at it, you, two bad snaps really cost you this football game. Pretty right? much. Yeah, I mean, right? Like, that, that that's pretty much is the difference in this game, right? Because not the difference in the game. Well, is that fair? Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. You scored every first half possession except the one where he snaps it over Crow's head. Yeah, and, I mean, in a game where your defense is not really, like, giving you anything and we can talk about that in a minute whether that's fair unfair whatever in a game where you're not getting any stops as a defense at all that matters a lot and that happened twice in two pretty crucial moments right that like the the first time it happened it was kind of like yeah okay it's early in the game the second time it happened that kind of compounded the first one with like okay those are two pretty crucial moments where it's like okay you can't really excuse that but to your point yes like that—that that was the difference in the first half. But I, to I guess what I was trying to get at was Corral was awesome again. Yes, absolutely. Um, played plays with his feet. I think Plumley only takes one snap at quarterback tonight. Um, man, it's—I—I I, I keep making the joke that Rich Rodriguez should be in federal prison, but he should be. Um, it, it's just so impressive to watch this kid. You keep making the joke, but he should be. Yes, he, he should be. And, I mean, Ole Miss should be able to sue. Like, they, they, I think Ole Miss had to pay a buyout to Rich Rodriguez, and they should have to just get, be able to just get that buyout money back. They fired him for cost. It, it, you, you should be able to fire him for cost. Okay. Um, so, 
same with Matt Luke. They they should have been able to fire him with cause after after watching this kid play football. Um, so I, I don't know, man. He he he's special, and and it's getting to the point where um, I hope they get next year out of Matt Corral because I don't think he's going to go down draft boards. He's going to sh- keep shooting up them if he keeps playing like this. That's probably a conversation for another day. I do think they get next year out of him, though, just from a couple of different standpoints, because this kind of is the first version of him, right? And particularly given the COVID year. But anyway, he ends up 21 of 28 for, I just had the stats in front of me. 375, I believe. 365 and two touchdowns. In a game that Ole Miss scored, what, seven touchdowns as a team? He only has two of them in terms of passing. That's kind of interesting. No, 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 really no, no. You need to you need to make sure we get this right. They only had six touchdowns. Our boy Luke Logan knocked home two field goals. That's right. Four. That's right. My bad. I, and if, as much as I've disparaged Luke good Logan on the internet, yeah, good for him, man. You know, seriously, good for him. We'll get yeah, to that. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of points we got to get to in this podcast, and good for him. We'll get. We'll probably get to that in a second. But Matt Corral, twenty-one to twenty-eight for three sixty-five and two touchdowns. You couldn't really ask any more out of him, right? Like no. I thought the offensive line was actually pretty good from a run blocking standpoint and pass pro for the most part, they were fine. But again, once again, Corral masked a lot of things with his ability to move with his feet and not only extend plays, but pick up first downs with his feet. I think the offensive line is probably on a game to game basis, giving you an average of a B level. And it's probably escalated to a B plus at minimum because of the way Corral moves with his feet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, Man, he's really good in the pocket right now. I thought there were plenty of times tonight he was going to take a sack, and he's just able to maneuver around and and make plays down the field. It's it's fun to watch. The, the kids are really really special with his arm, but he, he seems more elusive this year, which is, is has, he's needed to be. Um, but man, look, you know, obviously Matt was very good, but this this team ran the football down Alabama's throat at times too, um, and, and that's a credit to the offensive line. Jerry on Ely was special tonight. It was really impressive. All facets of the offense, really. I mean, Kenny Yaboa has a great game. Elijah Moore continues to play extremely well. Um, it, it, I, there was not anybody on offense outside of Ben Brown with the bad snaps that had a bad night. And you know, too, both of us are too lazy to look this up, but Ole Miss did have two 100-yard rushers tonight. You had Jaron Ely go 19 for 120 and two scores, and Snoop Connor 21 for 128 and two scores. I, I'm not even beginning to ask either one of us to look I this can, up. But we're, okay, here's a two-parter. When is the last time Ole Miss has had two guys for go for over 100 I, yards in I a can game? Tell you. The second part of that question is, well, the second part is, when is the last time Ole Miss has had two running backs go for multiple touchdowns each in one Ooh, game? Okay, the second one will be tough. I can answer the first one. It was the same two guys against Vanderbilt last year because they both had 80-yard touchdown runs. Snoop and he ran for a – I'm gonna have I, to fact check you on that. All right, let's see. I can I can look it up. Ole Miss Vanderbilt 2019. You don't oh. have to because you know there's something in this industry called dead air. <laughs> Box score. We can look at we can look at it later. Facts are. Oh, uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, Snoop only had 91. Uh, okay. and, well, Jerryon only had 97. I just knew they both had. Snoop had a. <laughs> 
Snoop had an 84-yard touchdown run, and Jerrion had a 78-yard touchdown run. So I just figured they would both been over 100 yards, but they were not. Fair enough. But to your point, Ole Miss really did run the ball down Alabama's throat, and that's a pretty good front seven because when you go into this game, you talk about what's probably the worst quality of Alabama's defense. It's the secondary on the back end. And Ole Miss did probably as much as it could do in terms of – you know, picking apart the Alabama secondary, but man, they did a number on a pretty good front seven, right? Like, there's not much else you could ask for on this from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, trying to break this game down offensively kind of feels like a futile exercise because they did literally everything they could do. But you can't give enough credit for that offensive line for blocking the way they did and running for what? Oh, Miss Rain for 298 tonight? Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's about right. 268, excuse me, sorry. But same difference. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know a lot of teams that are able to run the football down Alabama's throat the way they did tonight. You know, teams aren't usually able to do that um, consistently, at least. So it feels like anytime anybody's able to stay with Alabama in a scoring, you know, in a high-scoring game, it's because they threw all over them. And and Ole Miss was able to do it in a little bit of a a different way tonight. Look, obviously, Matt Corral was elite. They moved the football whichever way they wanted to. And I think that's an important sign in terms of not only the future, but for the way Ole Miss is approaching the top-level defenses in the SEC West. Like, not to cut you off in that sense, but, like, Right, like that's an important thing to look at. It's like not only are they kind of like it's not like Matt Corral's kind of throwing the ball out of his ass for a couple hours. They methodically moved the ball down the field for what? I mean, pretty much three hours today. Yeah, I, and you know there was multiple times that almost runs the ball on third and eight. Almost is able to pick up it up, pick it up on third and eight on the ground, and it's like you're never able to do that against Alabama again, or against Alabama. So. I don't know, man. It, it was impressive the way they were able to, at times, out-physical Alabama. Um, to tie, Ole Miss is hardly ever more physical than Alabama, but I felt like at times tonight they were the most physical team on the football field. I agree, at least on the offensive side. and It's a shame. What do you make of the uh, – I hate to dump on the offensive line given that we just talked about they ran for 268 yards, but what do you make of the Ben Brown thing? Because when you talk about it, like Ben Brown is – probably his best shot at playing professional football is at center. Would you disagree with that? No, I agree. Um, I, but I, something's got to be done about that. You can't have two of those a game. Yeah, it, it, it's got to stop. And and it let's let's not kid ourselves either. I don't think we are. Th- this was not the first issue with them. They were bad at Kentucky at times, too, and Matt Corral saved them. Um, it was, but, but I would just say, and I'm not saying that tonight was necessarily – like this was necessarily the reason, but they were playing in a little bit of a hurricane tonight. I think sure, it was called Delta. Sure. Yeah, they were, but the one under center, you can't really blame on that. Um, no, you can't, can't. I mean, you can't really blame it if the ball doesn't go in the air. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think you just keep riding him at center because when the, the snaps do get back there, he's pretty good. Um. You know, so I think you just keep riding him in a season where you're already one and two and, and your offense already looks elite. You try to get him get him as ready as he can be because um, I think he's a kid that if he can play center, he makes your, your offense a lot better. Yeah, I know we're kind of bouncing around here, and I guess that's part of the appeal of this podcast because, well, I mean, one of the things I gathered from last weekend from people just absolutely roasting me from, you know, maybe <laughs> having a beer or two before hitting record last week, sue me, thought this was a free country, was the fact that people listen to this show. And I think people that like the, <laughs> like the fact that this is a little bit of raw reaction, and I know we're bouncing around, 
But so I would just I'll pose the question to you. What stood out to you most this evening? Um, the, the play calling. I thought it was genius. Again, I think the uh, play calling, frankly, three games in a row has been genius. Um, I think they're creative. I think they set up things. Um, I, I just continue to be amazed with with Lebby and and how and Kiffin and and what they're able to do with this offense. Um, I've got a few gripes with the offense, but it's it's not on really players. It's my my only problem with the offense is three drives in a row right before halftime. You you kind of just punted, and and I, I think tonight was the most egregious. Right, like you have the ball three timeouts and a minute left. You're tied with Alabama. Um, they're going to get it after halftime, and, and you just kind of run the clock out. Um, that one tonight bothered me. The other two I could at least, like, you know, excuse away against against Kentucky and Florida. But, like, th- this one really bothered me when they just ran the clock out to the end of the first half. I agree with your assessment on the play calling, right, because that's what stood out to me too. And I wrote a couple of notes while I was watching this game. And the one of the first notes I wrote, particularly when Kenny Eboa on that first drive, and we'll get to him in a second, would uh, pretty much made that first drive, right? I mean, he scored yeah. that touchdown pretty much on his own, right? Minus Matt Corral throwing the football to him. Is this offense is a totally different beast than it was a year ago, and it's really one of the better offenses in the SEC. If you watch the full slate of games today, I mean, Ole Miss's offense. Who would you not take it against, right? At this point, you would probably say Florida is on them. Is that fair? Like Probably. Florida is pretty much automatic. I mean, the Kyle Trask, the yeah. Tony thing, like they're they're awesome. Alabama. In terms of skill positions, who would you take them from other than their opponents? So disqualifying Alabama. Uh nobody. <laughs> I mean, it's Florida I mean, and that one, right? I guess I guess Clemson, maybe, if we're gonna do I that. I said SEC. SEC? No, there's nobody. Uh, absolutely. It's not even a combo. Okay, uh, well, uh, one of the one of the notes I wrote down tonight is who is available on this offense that wasn't available last year other than a tight end that yeah. transferred from uh, Temple? Uh, uh, Matt Corral, because he was over on the bench, <laughs> because Rich, Rich Rodriguez has a big brain. Matt Corral is available. But do you see my point? Like, this is – credit to Glenn Kevin, and I, I guess time will tell, but I, I really – I'm getting to the point where I'm not sure if this is more of a – um, I guess the feather in the cap of Lane Kiffin in terms of the way he uses these guys and the smart ways that he gets yards because the way they run the football is super creative, right? Like they can kind of count like who's on each side and what what like what kind of their matchup is. You can tell they're doing that pre-snap, and the way they run the football is really creative. The way they pass the ball doesn't seem that different than your conventional offense. I guess what I'm trying to get at is is like. What in the hell is Rich Rodriguez doing, right? Like, is this more of an indictment on Rich Rodriguez or is it more of a credit to Lane Kiffin? Because this offense went toe-to-toe for Alabama for three and a half quarters and gave them a chance to win the game when when they have a defense on the other side of the football. And, like, I don't really mean to dump on the defense here that punt – I mean, they forced one punt and Ole Miss is in the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And I think the answer to, to the question can be both, right? Um, so I, I think it's a credit to Lane Kiffin, and I think Rich Rodriguez should, you know, consider another career um, because coaching <laughs> offensive football is probably not going to be in his future. Um, you know, it's just, just – I think both can be true. Um, and, and I – no, I, I was going to say I hate to pile on Rich Rodriguez, but I don't. Um, so, you know, it, look, the kid was mismanaged last year and, and – Otherwise, Rich Rodriguez is probably still the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Um, so, you know, 
thankfully for Ole Miss fans, um, worked out the way it did because I think you'd rather have the situation you have right now than what you uh, would have had if, you know, Elijah Moore doesn't do what he did in start when Ole Miss wins that game in overtime. Yes, sir. Is Elijah Moore actually the savior of Ole Miss football? Could we I've get said, that take I, cooking? Could I, I put said, that in the oven? I've said that for 11 months now. I've said that for 11 months. Really? <laughs> You've already taken that out. And let yeah, cool. I, I appreciated him um, doing that because I think, you know, I don't want to get too far down this path. I think some there had to be some kind of like craziness to get Matt Luke fired because the talk before the Egg Bowl was almost doesn't have the money. And then, you know, they lose in that fashion. And suddenly they have the money to fire Matt Luke. <laughs> anyway, that's probably probably a question for Keith Carter. But staying on the offensive side of the football, Snoop Connor was really good tonight. And so was Jerry on Ely. And we talked about through the first couple of games, particularly I thought against Florida, Jerry on Ely, maybe kind of ran a little bit too patiently, right? Like I think I texted you and I've probably said this on this podcast before, but I texted you during Florida. It was like, does he look a step slow? Like what's up with him? And I texted Ben the same thing. And Ben was like, no, he's not slow. He's just being a little bit too patient. That was not the case tonight. You probably saw the most purposeful running that you've seen from Jerry on Ely in, in his Ole Miss career. And Snoop Connor was awesome on top of that. It, they complement each other pretty well, right? And yeah. I thought I thought it was really more the scheme than anything. Yeah, they complemented each other pretty well. But, man, they had six, seven yards to run before they got touched by anybody. And that's a credit to the offensive line and also Levy and Kiffin. But they were great. Yeah, I, they're phenomenal. Um, man, they, they do a really good job with those guys, too. And, and thankfully, they uh, – they, they relied on those guys running the football. I mean, there, there was obviously sometimes Matt pulled it down and ran it, but I don't really recall anybody outside of Plumley running at the two-yard line um, getting any getting any more carries now. I didn't see any Tyler Knight. I didn't see any, any uh, Henry Parrish. They, they relied heavily on those two guys, and, man, they, they had great ball games. Yeah, but so I, I I think the part of the reason for that, you talk about Henry Parrish, you talk about Tyler Knight, is like against – Florida, where it's the first game of the season, you're kind of trying a little bit of different things out against Kentucky. Yeah, sure, that's fine. They're not exactly a world beater. I just think tonight was a matter of fact. It's almost like the NBA in the sense when you get in a playoff game and your rotation slims to seven guys that you trust because you have to win that football game. Like, I thought that was a little bit of that tonight in the term in terms of not seeing Tyler Knight and not seeing Henry Paris. It's like, I'm going to stick with the two guys I trust because – we're in a game that really matters a lot, and that's on the line. I thought that was probably why that happened, if that yeah. makes any sense. You know, and, and, and I agree. Um, it's funny. I watched this game tonight. Obviously, I, I watched pretty much the entire Alabama or, or Arkansas-Auburn game right before it. And, and when Arkansas walked off that field, I was thinking, God, I am not going to enjoy Ole Miss's trip to Fayetteville next week. Like, that is going to be not fun. I think Ole Miss kind of wins comfortably in Fayetteville next week. After, after watching this tonight, I don't think I don't understand how Arkansas is going to stop them. Um, I would argue that to so my counter argument to that would be is Ar- Arkansas's offense actually looks pretty good under it's, Felipe it's Franks. They it's probably fun. should have won that game to do if they had a, a, a competent field goal kicker. Well, they, the game would not have come down to what it came down to. Sure. And they did win the football game. That that call at the end of that football game was egregious. Just absolutely egregious. I, I don't understand how that happens in 2020. It makes no sense. Just egregious. On the other side of the football, as much as we've talked up the Ole Miss offense, oh the God. Ole Miss defense was not great tonight. But at the same time, 
if, if I know, call me crazy. That's fine. I'm going to throw a take out there. You ready for this? Flame sure. hot. Sure. Of the three performances I've seen of this Ole Miss defense, this was the one where I was like, okay, they were probably fun. I would rank this one no. out of the three. Uh, I disagree. I, I thought it was their worst. Which game. one are you putting before it? Um, Kentucky. Well, Kentucky. They was gave better. up 400 yards rushing. They gave up 400 yards throwing and 300 rushing tonight. Okay, giving up 400 yards throwing is a lot easier than giving up 400 yards rushing. Well, yeah, but it's combining it to do both. That's what's okay. Impressive. Consider the opponent, man. The other two is Kentucky. God, you gave up seven touchdowns on seven drives in the second half. And you never even pretended to get a stop. That's fair. I was just throwing the take out there. I would just <laughs> say, like, in terms of just, like, having enough teeth to maybe getting a stop, right? They get that turnover at the goal line early in the first half. Who was that? Was that Corey Hawkins again? Yeah, it was Hawkins again. Okay, so maybe throw him around the football a little bit more. I, I'm not an X's and O's guys by any means, but man, every time he seems to make a, make a tackle down by the goal line, somebody yeah. fumbles the football. Anyway, it was, it was like the, the I, most- I say that, and at the same time, Mac Jones was what? Hold on, it, make sure I have like this right. Thirty-eight of fifty-one for six eighty-four. <laughs> six times. It's six touchdowns. So I guess I can't say that really with a straight face. But at the same time, man, I I I stand by that statement in the sense that like this was the first time I looked at the Ole Miss defense tonight. It was like, okay, maybe they have a shot because at Kentucky they're giving up nine yards a carry in Florida, it was no shot. Like they felt less hopeless tonight. And I stand by that. I dis I disagree. Every time Alabama got the ball in the second half, I was like, well, they're gonna score. I, I was literally at, at one point just saying, let them score fast so we can get the offense back on the field fast. And, you know, their defense is still tired. Cause I, so I had, maybe that maybe it's just because I went into the game assuming that would be the case. <laughs> I mean, is that got, fair? I guess. Yeah, that, sure. But almost got two stops tonight. And one was because the kid fumbled at the one yard line. I mean, like, and none of them were in the second half. <laughs> Oh, good God. That's so embarrassing. Oh, Look, man. I know. Okay. So you call it embarrassing. I don't disagree. But Alabama, from a receiver standpoint, is going to do that to everybody. And I know, as mad as the Ole Miss defense as you want to get, those dudes are sick. And they're going to do that to everybody. They're going to score a lot of points on a lot of teams. But my problem comes in when it's second and goal from the 14 and they walk into the end zone on an end around. Yeah, I mean, it's not good, but, but we, you know this Ole Miss defense is bad. You're like, that, that's my point. And when you walk into this game with his expectations, they got to stop. Like they, they forced a turnover. <laughs> I, said, a I mean, I'm serious. I know, I know it sounds like a joke, but like they got you a stop or two. They get you a turnover. And you lose the game by 14 points. Like, this is kind of how this game should have gone. And I know that's not really a profound statement. But, like, walking into this game, what in the hell else did you expect from the Ole Miss defense? Yeah, it, Sam it, Williams had a nice half in the first half. Yeah, I'll say that. He looked like he tweaked something, and that was fine. But he picked a nice game to have a Sam Williams game or half. Yeah. And I guess it's just frustrating, right? Because if you get one stop, your offense probably puts you ahead. And then, hey, you got a shot to beat Alabama. And you could not just get one stop, not one. And I guess that I think that's the more frustrating part because I think it's like almost puts up 24, right? You lose 63 to 24. It's like, oh, yeah, the defense sucks. But it's more frustrating knowing that if you could have gotten just one, your offense gets the ball with a chance to take the lead. 
No, right. It's a more frustrating brand of football to to watch your team roll up and down the field with this other team that's considered a juggernaut, you know, prime for the college football playoff. And every time your team scores, it's like, okay, well, they're going to score. So how do we maybe get eight points out of this? Or how, how do we go with the onside kick? I get what you're saying. It's a more frustrating brand of football to watch. But I just... I, I guess I guess stats aside, and I know that's dumb to say, but to kind of to underscore my my original point, in terms of games where Ole Miss is on defensively has looked hapless, I would rank this third out of the three. I would seriously. Because I, Ole Miss looked, I would rank number one against Florida. Ole Miss looked absolutely yeah. hapless the entire time against Florida. Like did not get close to anything. I would I would venture I would love to see going back, and I'm sure I looked at this the first time we podcast was how many times Florida really actually had a taxable third down. And then for the love of God, man, they gave up 400 yards against Kentucky. Like, I don't feel like this take is that crazy. They did not. I would rank this third of the three of the games they played in terms of looking just totally hapless. They gave up nine touchdowns on 11 drives. (laughs) It's Alabama. You're talking about Florida and Kentucky. Alabama scored touchdowns on 90% of their drives. Okay, we're not going to agree on this, man, because obviously you did not see 2017, you did not see 2018. I was working in-house for the athletic department in 2017 when Ole Miss lost 66-3 in Tuscaloosa. Like, did you? Oh, by the way, would you like to guess what my headline was that night? Wonderlick kicks field goal or something, wasn't it? No, no, I was I was making up facetious headlines. I was sitting there in the press box watching The Office, by the way, after the first half, sitting there going. And somebody was like, do you have your game story ready? And I was like, yeah, Wonder Lake's field goal, not enough, as Alabama scored 66 <laughs> unanswered. <laughs> I feel like Ole Miss scores. <laughs> Ole Miss Alabama. leaves Alabama every year and then figures out a way to lose by 14. <laughs> or 38 or 50. Alabama clips. Ole Miss sixty-six to three <laughs> over Wonder Lake's <laughs> over field goal. Wonder Lake's anyway, fall short. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I feel like in terms of one of the last offensive standpoints we probably haven't hit was Kenny Yaboa was awesome again yeah. for the third straight game. And you know, we talked about it in the preseason and Ben Garrett and I, if you have listened to the talk of champions podcast for a while we did over unders going into the season and i think the over under we set for tight ends was i think it was five and a half it might have been six and a half i can't remember off the top of my head i'll have to go back and look and i went with the over and not to call out ben but he kind of called me silly for that and I was like, eh, I kind of see it, and that's going to get absolutely smashed. Yaboa is awesome, and it's almost like having a threat over the middle of the field opens up other things. What a I novel have, concept. I have an opinion um, that, that might not be popular. I don't think you're going to like it. I don't think – and you're right. I want to say, first off, you're right about Yaboa. He, he – uh, he had a great night, and Lane Kiffin is doing a fantastic job getting him the football. But it's something that you tweeted tonight that uh, that made me realize that maybe Matt Luke was a problem. Because, and, and here's my thing, um, Phil. Lago, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Let's let's just make sure this is uh, this is on the record properly. You said was or was not a problem. Was a problem. Okay, go ahead. Maybe Phil Longo is not as awful as we made him out to be, because um, he he ha- he's having no problem putting up a whole bunch of points up there in Chapel Hill. And, okay, uh, Ole Miss, hard Ole Miss's disagree. Offense, 
Look, look, Ole Miss's offense still stunk after he left. Is there any possible way Matt Luke was just all over his offense? Is it possible? Um, so I, I think I think I think both things. So in, in this world of absolutely no nuance, I think two things can be true at once. Because I was actually talking about this with the buddy tonight because we were watching the end of the North Carolina game and they what they they dumped on Virginia yeah, Tech. Just Virginia murdered. Tech made it close to the end. Um, so I, my theory on this, and I know we're going, the, 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 the listeners probably tuned in to go, yeah. to hear us go balls deep on Phil Longo, but Hey, that's what you're getting regardless. I was talking to a buddy about that tonight. And so I, my theory on that is, and don't get me wrong. I don't necessarily have like the, uh, the two, like, I guess, you know, back-to-back rosters in terms of coaching steps to back this up. But I think Phil Longo coming to the SEC from where he came from, the whole, hey, I have seven plays doesn't really add up because, you know, even the poorest schools, man, Kentucky's got 22 dudes probably looking at film off the field, looking at tendencies and stuff. And you know Alabama and LSU does. And that's why Phil Longo was pretty good against the bad Ole Miss. De- uh, excuse me, against the bad SEC defenses, I should say. And sucked against these stronger ones. I don't think you see that enough in the SEC. So I think his safe, you know, his chase grass or whatever that bullshit philosophy was, excuse my French, works in the ACC is because I just don't simply think they have the manpower in terms of the off-field staff to look at tendencies and stuff like that. And I think in the SEC that crap just doesn't work. And that's my theory on it. You can agree or disagree. But, But Sam Howell, his quarterback, looks like a monster. Um, but he's a good quarterback. And, yeah. But watch that shit against Clemson, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. Watch it against Clemson because that's the equivalent of a top-level SEC now, program. Now, in fairness. And, so, and Phil Longo could fill it up against Kentucky now. Don't get me wrong. But against Alabama and LSU, that's not happening. Sure. Um, we'll see. I, I just I, I thought it was interesting that, that he walked out of Oxford, Mississippi, and all of a sudden was able to score a whole bunch of points. I just kind of thought maybe that was a little bit of an indictment on Matt. I would say it is an indictment on Matt Luke, but I would also agree that it's a little bit of a cheap headline. Anyway, you successfully commandeered a conversation about Kenny Yaboa into turn into dumping on Phil Longo. It probably was. I tweeted Phil Longo and said tight end chase grass too. So anyway, if anyone would like to go through those cheap likes (laughs) and that Kenny Yaboa was awesome. Lane Kiffin knows how to use a tight end, right? Like he has the reigning Harrison. He has the rain. I was about to say Harrison Bryant. There's about 5% of this podcast listening that will understand that joke. He has the, he has the Harrison Bryant, the reigning Mackey award winner. He knows how to use a tight end and it makes a huge difference, man. I think it makes a difference with Elijah Moore with the slot over the middle of the field. Elijah Moore would not have had 11 catches tonight and not for Kenny Yaboa. And I think you could go back and back and say the same thing. The weeks before, Kenny Yaboa is a massive piece for this, yeah. for this entire offense, man. You're looking at the, I mean, when's the last time you've seen Ole Miss do the read option thing where they dump it over the middle of the field? Like that's an Evan Ingram thing. You haven't seen that happen since, and I don't think that should be understated because the entire first drive was was I mean cultivated around it. They scored because of him. Yeah, th- this is the first time I, I've watched Ole Miss's offense play football and think they have an actual game plan since Freeze left. Um, it felt like it felt like we were just throwing stuff at the wall the past three years, and and I, I thought Freeze obviously. I, I think anybody would. I don't think anybody is naive to believe Hugh Freeze is not a good offensive football coach. 
Um, I think that, that he had really good game plans at times. But this is the first time since he's left that uh, it feels like Ole Miss actually knows what they're doing on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, I think – I mean, Yaboa was awesome. And yeah. I think that's a huge part of this offense. And, you know, it's one of those things that's interesting, and you, you kind of try to crystallize all this, right? Like, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you sit back and you look at the end of the night. Ole Miss gave up 63 points. You lost 63 to 48 to Alabama. Where do you kind of sit down if you're an Ole Miss fan and think, okay, where is this program? Like, where do I think um, – I, I, I guess how should I feel – and in that sense, I I think I may have alluded to this a little bit last week, you know, between the beers and the slurred words, according to some who listened to this, not apologize to no one once again, was the fact that, like, I don't think you, you, you should understate the fact that there is a plan in place, right? Like, during Matt Luke, it was, like, he, he had two years, and for as much as people talk about how he should have gotten another year, and I was kind of in that camp, right? Like, okay, this isn't totally fair to the guy. He had a chance to put his stamp on Ole Miss's program and put a clear plan in place, and he didn't do that. And I just feel like with Lane Kiffin, you can look at what's happening on the offensive side of the football, and even as bad as things are, you can look at where guys are playing and how they're playing, even on the defensive side of the football, and think, okay, long-term, I can see how this works into a confident scheme. You can see a long-term plan in place, and I don't think that should be taken for granted from an Ole Miss perspective. Because I texted a, a longtime college buddy of mine tonight and was like, hey, man, isn't it a lot more fun to watch a team that kind of seems to be competently coached, not just for the short term, for the long term, it makes a huge difference. And that was my main takeaway from tonight, as has been really the last three nights, uh, the last three weekends, I should say. No, that's absolutely fair. Uh, man, it, it, it was fun tonight, though, right? It, it just, man. It's I, fun, right? Yeah. You were not going to win this game. No. Well, it felt like you had a shot in the fourth quarter, and I think that's all you can ask for, um, especially in year one. And my, and my thing is, man, look. There's some talent on that offensive side of the football. I think anybody. I don't think anybody would be naive enough to say there's not. I think that talent is talent you can go recruit and replace, right? I don't think that. Look, Jerry Neely's a great running back. I think you can find another great running back. I, Matt Crosby, oh, I'll disagree on that. One, you don't man. think you can find a really good running back? You can. I don't think you can find another Ely. Anyway. I, I mean, okay. But he played in the MAIS. Have you ever seen a JA prep game? <laughs> J.A. prep game. Um, yeah, prep usually wins them. But anyway. Hey, buddy, when I was <laughs> anyway, when I was there, that was not the case. But you know what? I'll digress. I'll digress. <laughs> Go ahead. Finish just, your thought. I was just saying prep usually wins. Um, but I, I think this talent is talent that, hey, look, you can you can go recruit another good quarterback. Ole Miss has been Ole Miss has had good quarterbacks since Bo Wallace, really. Um, outside last year. And then you know, it, it just feels like you can replicate this success on offense. So if you can ever just get the guys on defense, man, it feels like you've got a chance to do something special. I guess that's my point is this doesn't feel like a, a flash in the pan on offense. This feels like something that can be done over and over again. Well, no, I would I would say – I'm not saying a, a better way to underscore your point. I'll say a supplemental way is I agree, but I think Matt Corral is a re- really good football player. Yes. I think Jaron Neely is a really good football player. But to your point, particularly throwing the ball down the field, right? Because Ole Miss's best offense through three games has been the vertical passing game and really pushing the ball 15 to 25 yards down the field. Would you disagree with that? No, absolutely. I agree. 
And who would have thought that coming into the season, right? Like if anyone was like, yeah, Ole Miss's best part of their offense is going to be pushing the ball 15 to 30 yards down the field on a regular basis, I would have been like, yeah, you, you know, pass me the crack pipe, pal, or whatever the hell, like you want smart ass remark you want to make. It's like, that just doesn't make any sense. And so, and you see it through three games now is that is absolutely the case. And now you've almost gotten used to it. And so I guess I'm not even necessarily disagreeing with you in the sense is like, it's less about on the offensive side of the ball because Ole Miss does have pieces, right? Like you've got Matt Corral, great quarterback. You've got Jerry O'Neill and Snoop Connor, great running backs. I say you have one great rod receiver in Elijah Moore. You have one pretty good one in Drummond and you have one, good-ish guy in Mingo that could probably turn into pretty good, right? And so you have a pretty good base from a skill position set there. And I agree with you in the sense that it can probably be replaced from a recruiting aspect, and it will be. But, like, that's also not at the same time. Like, that on a, on paper, if you just looked at Jerion Ely, Matt Corral, Snoop Connor. Elijah Moore and Don Terrio Drummond, that on its own with a B minus offensive line is not someone that scores 49 points on Alabama's defense. And so I think that is a credit to Kiffin and his staff in that sense. So, yes, I do think it's going to be replaced in that sense, but I just I, I don't want to take away for anything from Corral and all that. I guess I, what, I, what I'm trying to get at is the scheme has been absolutely masterful through three weeks, and I don't think that can be understated enough or overstated enough, I should say. No, no, it hasn't. And they've put Corral in really good situations, and the kids made the most of it. I just kind of wonder, man, if, if they're able to do this uh, night in and night out on offense, and, and, you know, I guess it remains to be seen, but you've scored what? 35 on Florida, you scored 42 on Kentucky, you scored 48 on Alabama. It, it feels like you're going to be able to score on pretty much anybody you play. Um, and if you're able to do that year in and year out, man, there's going to come a year where you have a defense that's going to put you in a position to win a lot of football games. Right, because the, the like, let's not make no mistake about it. Like, Partridge and Durkin were brought here to recruit and recruit on a national level, right? Like what they're dealing with now, and it shouldn't absolve them from the disaster that has been the defense for three games. It should not completely absolve them, but they're here to recruit nationally and put their pieces in place, right? And this is not what they had in mind, but that again, at the same time, that should not absolve them. But like, I guess that makes the next 18-ish months for the Ole Miss defense really crucial, right? Can you build a Hugh Freeze-type defense? Because that's what made Hugh Freeze successful. You know, Hugh Freeze, for as much as he likes to take credit, and if he I, if he listens to this podcast, I look forward to your DM in the morning, Hugh. Uh, just <laughs> put it with my coffee. He, For his credit, for all of his offensive genius – he built all of those teams around that defense, right? The 2014 defense was the best in college football. The 2015 defense was the top 15 defense in college football. Kevin brought those guys in there to recruit on a national level and build a defense like that. And it's not happening right now. And you've got the whole weird-ass COVID thing that's probably throwing a wrench in the next recruiting class. But I guess what I'm saying is in the next 24 months, you better have a better, pretty good defense on that side of the football or they're going to have to regroup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, man, it's it's the only way out of that mess on defense is to recruit out of it. Um, 
look, I, I, there's some things I think they could do maybe coaching-wise they could help them a little bit. Uh, there's only so much you can do, though, when uh, when your guys aren't fast enough. I, I, I do think going seven, letting Alabama go seven for seven on touchdown drives in the second half is a little bit more than just on talent, right? Um, but I don't – I, don't I mean, man, come on. A&M's probably doing the same thing. Well, I kind of think A&M's a little bit of a coaching issue. Um, I'm not – I'm not. let me be clear. I'm not blaming DJ Durkin or saying that DJ Durkin needs to be fired. Um, I just think if you let a team go seven for seven on touchdown drives in the second half, that maybe you could have come up with a better game plan. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, it is what it is at this point, right? And we probably covered every angle um, in terms of kind of offense, defense. Wise. Is there anything we missed at this point? Like, no. what, is there is there anything that stuck out to you tonight that we have not covered? Luke Logan was perfect. Six of six extra points, two of two field goals. Good for Luke Logan. And, and, and you know, I, I, we're kidding a little bit. That's a good sign going forward. The, the kid needed to make the field goal, needed, needed to make, needed to see it go through. You can't just not be able to kick 40-yard field goals in this league. So uh, happy for him. Happy he made both of those field goals. And maybe, look, maybe it comes down to a field goal next week in Fayetteville and he knocks it through. But it was good for him to get some confidence. Uh, can I be an asshole for two seconds? I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah. You said that as if you knew it was coming. I mean, I'm sorry. If you have to cite his field goal stats, come on, man. But look, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree with all your talk. I know he's had the struggles. I agree. And I will admit, honestly, I was sitting at the restaurant I was at tonight, and particularly the first one he kicked through, I was like, they should go for this. He can't make this. And then he made this. So joke's on me, I guess. I guess it's good for Luke Logan. You're right in that sense. I just, uh, I guess Ole Miss probably took it for granted having Gary Wonderlick, right? And it's just kind of like, okay, are you really, are you really tap? I mean, I get the str- the struggles Logan has had, is but it's like, are you really tapping this kid on the back for making yeah, a forty yarder? Yes, yes, absolutely, because he doesn't normally do that. Okay, <laughs> this is the same kid. This is the same kid that trotted out for a thirty-five yard extra point in Starkville, and I walked outside. But and he walked had around stakes in his head. And I walked around my apartment because I knew he wasn't going to make it. I walked back in my apartment, and lo and behold, the kid didn't make it. Can like, I tell my vantage point from that story? I don't sure. think the listeners would care to hear this, but I don't really give a shit. It's my podcast. <laughs> the, <laughs> so we, we walked down to the uh, – to the so that game is what? 21 to 14, 21. right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm walking down. And I'm walking down to the to the field level of Davis Way Stadium or whatever. And when I get to the field, it's Ole Miss's fourth and twenty six, whatever it is. And that's when Corral defies Rich Rodriguez and looks at Braylon Sanders and goes, "I don't give a damn what they told you to run. Run this route is going to be open." And what do you know? Corral is right. Maybe that was a sign for the future. That- so maybe they had something there. So anyway, they get all the way down. They score the touchdown. And they're backing up the field goal about 15 yards. And I can't tell why. And I'm looking around at all these people because I'm short. I can't see over all these other people on the sideline. I'm like, hey, why the hell are they backing up this field goal? Like, what's going on? And then Luke Logan misses it. And you see the state student section go just absolutely apeshit behind them. Because I, and I'm like, 
what is going on? Like, what has happened? And, of course, no one tells me anything. So I walked into the press room <laughs> under Davis Wade Stadium and have not seen the piss and miss until 15 minutes after it's already happened. So I was like, <laughs> was the – so I, look, I looked at the TV guy, and I was like, hey, was that penalty excessive? And he goes, oh, no, man, watch this. And then I saw <laughs> Elijah Moore <laughs> lift up his leg. Or whatever, and I was like, I I appreciate the clarification, guy. <laughs> I just walked her. I look as soon as they threw the flag on Elijah, I I literally walked out of my apartment and just started walking around because I knew he was gonna miss. And I walked back <laughs> in, and Ole Miss is lining up for the onside kick. And I'm like, yeah, it's not shocking. It's not shocking. I was driving back to Jackson to my parents' house like the like that night, and I I, I just couldn't help but laugh to myself. At the end of that, because I was like, I asked a TV guy if that penalty was excessive. Because I couldn't see what was going on because I was too short to understand. And he just goes, oh, no, man, it wasn't excessive. It showed me Elijah Moore putting the fist leg up. Anyway, this has gotten out of control. We covered pretty much about everything. This yeah. evening, what is, is there anything else we missed? Like, I there was nothing else that stood out to me tonight. Like, no. the defense kind of was what it was. The offense was masterful, right? Like, you can't knock them for anything. I think at the end of the night, this is a good night for an Ole Miss fan. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, you, you hang with the number one team in the country after just getting embarrassed by them two of the last three years and, you know, losing pretty good last year. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a good night. You know, you go to Arkansas, I think, next week. Uh, I think next That's week's a, a must- huge game. Yeah, it's a must win. Uh, and, and I don't say that lightly. It's it's a must win. You can't – it feels like if you go to Arkansas and lose next week, all of the goodwill that you've established by playing close with Alabama and playing close with Florida, I feel like that just kind of goes out of the window if you go to Fayetteville and lay an egg. So, I think, it's, I think Ole Miss will win, um, but I think they need to win too. I, think it's I really agree important. with it. I agree with everything you said. I also don't necessarily think it's 100% fair, but at the same time, I agree. Is that possible? Like, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily fair in the sense that, like, Arkansas has been confident. Hell, they should probably should have beaten Auburn today on the road if they had a competent kicker that could make an extra point. But at the same time, everything you say, I think it's actually fair. Like, you're going to kind of, like, erode the goodwill, right? Because if you're all missing, you lose that game at Arkansas next week. You're one in three. Yep. And then at that point, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I think it's a must win. Um, and, and I don't mean like, look, your program, you're going to the uh, gutter, you're firing Lane Kiffin if you lose. Don't get me wrong. No, you're just talking about the momentum you've built sure. off the last couple sure. of weeks. I think all the goodwill there is gone. Um, so, you know, I think the, the I, I think if you beat Arkansas, man, you're 2-2 two and two and you're coming home for a game against Auburn that, frankly, you, you can win. You can beat Auburn. Um, you're going to have to score a bunch, but you can beat Auburn. Um, so I, I just think next week is extremely massive. Agreed, dude. I mean, it's a it's a it's a huge game against Arkansas next week. And who would have thought that going into the year, right? Like because your mindset going into this season before you see Arkansas play, and kudos to Sam Pittman for making sure. the football team competent, right? But you 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 go into the year sitting there thinking, well, you better beat Arkansas because you're not going to have one SEC win if you don't beat them. And now you're sitting there going into that game in Fayetteville is like, yeah, you should probably win this thing, but this is a huge swing game. And I yeah. just that's 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 kind of the name of the game of the SEC this year, right? Because you had SEC, you had Mississippi State, I should say, 
the talk of the SEC for a week, you know, go down to LSU and beat LSU. And I know we have a, 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 quite a few Mississippi State people listening to this podcast, and I'm not trying to, like, demean Mississippi State in that sense. <laughs> but, like, hey, man, like – LSU was plus four in the turnover battle today and lost to Missouri. I think they just suck. <laughs> like, right? They're, like, and then LSU get, and then Mississippi State, I should say, gets beat 24 to two by Kentucky. Like, this is the expect the unexpected year. But to your point, Ole Miss needs to go win this game. You kind of know what Arkansas is at this point I, with I everything a, else that is unexpected. I, I have a question. If Ole Miss was playing in Baton Rouge on Saturday, would they be favored? Because I think they would be. Um, No. I think Ole Miss would be like one of those plus two, two and a half deals okay. where you're like, I'm hammering that shit. But it's basically even, right? No, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's yeah. it's a field goal at most. That's that's kind of what I was gonna say. Is I how are you favoring LSU at this point? How like I mean, I guess that's a question for Las Vegas. But how would you favor LSU against anyone? You're not. Um, I mean, except that maybe defense for, is atrocious. Yeah, and Florida, they got Florida next week. Good, good God. Um, but Florida is going to beat the shit out of LSU. They are. I I don't think there is a game on Ole Miss's schedule left that they cannot win. Not one. Ooh. Okay, so that's a take. I mean, okay, tell me who. Because you have South Carolina and Vanderbilt left from the east. You have A&M, Auburn, LSU, Arkansas, and Mississippi State from the west. Who is a guaranteed loss? Now, no, don't don't misquote me. I don't think they're going to win all those games. I think they can win all those games. No, I think you're right. I just said it was a take. I mean, that's one of those ones where you you, – when it comes off the tongue, like (laughs) – 90 seconds ago, I was like, ooh, like that's spicy. But I agree. I mean, I, I don't think there's a guaranteed loss there. And that's probably more of a testament to kind of the West being down, right? I mean, sure. Alabama's going to sleepwalk to a West title. And good for them, whatever. They have their 19th title under Saban or whatever that bullshit is. Like, but yeah, I mean, who, who, here's a better question before we get out of here. Who is the second best team in the SEC West? Texas AM. And they just lost by 40 to Alabama. Is it really? I mean, you beat Florida at home. That's impressive. Who else has done anything? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But to your point, I, I agree. I don't think there's a game on Ole Miss's schedule that's a guaranteed loss, which is really, from from an Ole Miss team sitting in one and two, like, that's a huge opportunity for Kiffin. Like, if he can reel off three or four of these over the next month, month and a half, over six weeks, that's a huge opportunity for him, right? Because you walk into this season sitting there thinking Alabama, loss, LSU, loss, Auburn, probably a loss. Can we beat Arkansas? Maybe. Can we beat Mississippi State? Maybe. And you're sitting there trying to count to four wins. But to your point, like, that's a huge opportunity for him, right? Like, yeah. You reel off five wins in this weird-ass COVID season. That's a lot of momentum going into a no- normal year, assuming 2021 is normal. That's True. huge. Yeah, and, and you know, it kind of sucks for Ole Miss, right, that, that you, this is your COVID year because Ole Miss would have gone 4-0 and in the non-conference. They would have absolutely lit Baylor on fire. Um, so they go 4-0. They're going to beat Vanderbilt, and you're gonna, probably going to find one more conference win, right? Um so you're getting six and six or seven and five, and you're going to the Music City Bowl, and everybody and their moms excited. 
kind of just sucks. Right, everybody gets drunk at the Birmingham Bowl in that dumpy ass stadium, and it's yeah. it's 2012 all over again. For for Tennessee, it feels like 98. For Ole Miss, it feels like 2012. That's yeah. the way. That's the way the program goes. It kind of just sucks that this year is the year you get that because man, they would it would be fun right now. You would be probably five and three or so. I don't know how many games you would have played by now. Maybe four and three, whatever. But you'd be going to a bowl game because you would have lit Baylor on fire. You're um, exactly right. And Ole Miss probably goes to a bowl game this year, whatever form that is. But to yeah. your point, it doesn't really feel like it, right? Like everyone's going to a bowl game. But to your point, in, in a normal year, like that, that, that is probably the case. And do you, uh, do you see where Dan Mullen advocated for having ninety thousand in the swamp on Saturday? Yeah, because he had to call a timeout today to get his guys on the same page. After the forty-five thousand in Kyle Field made him right. call a timeout, it's like, hey, man, like. Make sure your offense isn't a huge push boy. Like forty five thousand people in there. Look, I'm kind of, I'm kind of down the middle with this whole COVID thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not on one side or the other. I kind of don't think putting ninety thousand in the stadium right now is our best idea. Um, but you know, well, whatever, Florida, the state of Florida actually approved uh, that. Is why he no. said that. Did you know that? I, I did not. No. Oh, so, so I, I, again, I'm not being political at all. The state of Florida, Ron DeSantis approved four stadiums for both the Dolphins, Jags, Bucks, and Do- and uh, Gators, and uh, you know every other one Florida else. State. Right, and Florida State too. So that's why probably he's advocating for that. And to his point, so I, I, again, I'm not getting political with COVID, and we can probably close the podcast on this because I mean, hell, we're talking about Florida 90 minutes into this thing <laughs> is. The first time I actually – I was watching that game earlier today. The first time I've actually kind of felt like, hey, college football is back in a normal sense was when Florida had to call that timeout early on in the fourth quarter because A&M's crowd was kind of getting into it. I was kind of like, hey, like shit's back. Like this is kind of awesome. <laughs> and I can guarantee you that's why Dan Mullen was was advocating that. Yeah. But anyway uh- – yeah, uh, I'm with you. It did kind of for the first day for whatever reason. And I know that we've played football three weeks now. I, I It did feel like normal, right? It, it For the first time, it did kind of feel like, you know, look, with MLB playoffs going on and everything, the, the, well, the NBA is not normal right now. But the MLB and college football going on right now, it kind of has started to get back a normal feeling. Well, I can't wait. The more normal things get, the better this podcast <laughs> gets. So, anyway, Colin, dude, I appreciate it as always. This has been fun. Ole Miss Absolutely. loses 63 to 48 to Alabama. I think overall it's probably a good night for Ole Miss in terms of the feature of their program. Yeah, the defense stunk. Yeah, the offense was awesome. But man, you're in the game in the fourth quarter against a team that's going to sleepwalk to the SEC West. Like, yep. it's about all you can ask for. It's a good building block for a lot of things. I think there are a lot of good things tonight. Hopefully, all covered it. Same time next week, pal. All right. Sounds good, my man. All right. You later, buddy. All right, man. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.